Hey, listen to Commander Kickout Podcast, episode 14. Today we're talking about Animar, Soul of Elements for our combo deck. I have no idea how it works, but Ryan sure does. He's going to explain it to us right after they hit our theme song. Hey, Ryan, we're back, and we're halfway through our arc of the archetype. How are you feeling? Ah, it's good. We got the mics on this time. Yes, we do. <laughs> Magic of radio. In the closet. Yes, we're back in the closet. We were ousted from our sweet studio, the main studio, where we can see the beautiful South Saskatchewan River, but uh, we're making the best of things. Now all I got is you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's not such a bad thing to look at. Yeah. Yeah, you got some little curlies at the end oh, of your mustache now? Oh, yeah, you now? didn't even con- comment on my sweet mustache. I'm going to a wedding today, and I am going to rock the sweet, tight, curled mustache. Excellent. One side kind of has bedhead, though, so it, like, doesn't stay up. <laughs> I got, like, droopy ED mustache just on one side, though. Got to sleep on the on your back before you you do that. Yeah. Got to plan ahead, man. It's important. On my back. Yeah. <laughs> it's important stuff. So uh, get some house cleaning out of the way. Do we have any stuff we wanted to pick up from last week? Um. Yeah. We had, uh, I think it was on Twitter, we had a listener comment about aggro not necessarily being a viable archetype or strategy in commander um, in reference to two weeks ago show cranko and you had some stuff to say about that that is you are wrong sir (laughs) whoever you are on twitter you are incorrect aggro maybe in the way that people think about it where you're talking about like one card equals three damage one card always gets you some damage etc etc maybe that doesn't work in, in edh but aggro is certainly viable you just have to look at it differently because the format is different you have to take a particular archetype like we're talking about now and you have to kind of force it to fit into what you're trying to do in an edh game just because it's not the aggro that you're used to it doesn't mean that it doesn't work because i mean typically speaking i don't think that control really works all that well in edh either because what's one counter spell going to do when you're playing against five other people but control still is an archetype because you have wraths and you have all these other ways to control the board beyond just your counter spells and your permission deck pillow fort crap so suck on that also thank you for listening and commenting yeah certainly you are invested in our contest yes to win more of a giveaway because you don't actually have to um compete to no, win <laughs> totally do whoever does the most insane thing that involves our logo automatically wins besides defacing it in any way yeah yeah if you get a tattooed in yourself that'd be sweet on your butt, remember? We talked, if you get a tattooed in your butt, you are our official logo for life. Yeah. For life. And you win. <laughs> and you do win. Yeah, you yep. will win some packs. We still haven't decided what packs we're going to give away, but we still got a couple of weeks before we're going to do the giveaway. So keep listening, keep liking, keep sharing, and uh, maybe you'll be playing some open flippy dot drinky slash Edie cookie on us. Edie cookie. Edie cookie. Excellent. Came up with that just now. What else do we got? Um, I want to just take a second to talk about the... Let's call them, and I think that they're called psychographics. Psychographs. Psychograph. The Timmy, what? Johnny, Spike. Sure. Okay, so just quickly, there's three different main kinds of attitudes. Psychographs. I don't know how to describe them, but they they kind of relate to the the type of player you are. Like a Timmy enjoys big swingy creatures, big plays, extravagant things. The the Johnny player or Johnny combo is lo- lots of times what they're called is going to enjoy comboing out and finding very obscure cards and weird things to do. And then the spike player is going to be the person that is 
has a vested interest in winning or, or plays the game specifically with the intent to win more so than um, having weird, fun interactions like the, the Johnny or big, swingy creatures like the Timmy. Right. So important because we're going to be talking about Animar and there's a couple different kinds of builds that you'll see. Um, we've talked about in the past the Morph deck. We've talked about my deck that we're going to be talking about. There's also a a 1v1 deck or a French ban list style deck that is a little bit different and we'll refer to Timmy, Johnny, Spike in those couple different examples because the decks are pretty different. I guess the other thing to keep in mind is this deck, the deck that we're talking about, it it can kind of flip between being a, a card advantage deck or a tempo advantage deck depending on how you play it and depending on what exact build that you are running. Or you could do both. Or you could do both. Why do and one when you could do both? Exactly. And we talked about that a little bit in our in our archetype episode. What episode is that? 11? Sure. Episode 11, I think, because Krenko was 12. Yes. Yeah. And uh, if you want to hear about combo, control, aggro, Voltron, go back and listen to episode 11. It's super good. Yeah, it's pretty good. Super good. Jumping into it? Jumping into it after we talk about our social media stuff. We're talking about contests and how you can interact oh, yeah. with us on You're the so internet. You're better at that than I am. Well, I, suck. I think lots about it. If you want to check out the deck list that we're talking about today, it's CCO Podcast on tappedout.net. All of the deck lists we talk about are on there. Same coordinates for Twitter. You want to like and share and interact with us there. If you want to send us something that's longer than 140 characters, you can check us out at commandercookout at gmail.com. That's also what you search for our show on iTunes and on the Google Play Store if you're looking to add us there, which you should be because we're a great show and you're going to love us. If and when we're on um, Google Play because we're not quite on there yet as at the time of this recording, even though I told you we were, or we were going to be, we're not yet. Yeah, well, I just spent, because Ryan's a dirty liar, it doesn't what, what mean... What did I tell you before we got here? 42 hours in the last three shifts at work? That's a lot of work. I've worked 42 hours in the last three weeks at work. Oh, very good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not the same. No, not even close. That's where you find us online. Yeah, check us out. We're lots of fun. We're great guys. Retweet, follow, subscribe, yeah. comment, do whatever you want. Yeah. You want... OpenFlippy.Drinky, we talked yeah. about it already. It's super fun. Also, I'm Brian. I'm Brando. He's Ryan. Yep. I don't know if we've said that since episode one. Um, we say it at the end. Yeah, we do. Excellent. <laughs> we're awesome at this. <laughs> no, we suck. It's the uh, it's the broom closet we're recording in throwing us off. Yes, it is. We got a board that looks like it's from the 40s. You, know, you have like the Iron Age and the, the Golden Age. <laughs> the Bronze Age. This is like the beginning yeah. of the Plastic Age. This is the Wood Age. It looks like an yeah. Intellivision. It does. If anybody knows what an Intellivision looks like, you know what we're Our looking at Our soundboard right actually has a wooden frame. Yep. It's oh. messed up. And we're like in a state-of-the-art recording radio studio. Right? Yeah. And we're using this old-ass board that's like stained oak. At least they used a nice wood. It's hardwood. It's not plywood. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Oh, very excellent. Yeah. So into the magic, I guess. We'll yeah, talk some magic I'm just, now. we're spiraling downhill and yeah. I'm we're losing all confidence. Okay, we're talking about Animar. Animar, Soul of Elements. Brando's going to bring him up. We'll give him a good-ass read. Animar, Soul of Elements. Legendary creature. Elemental from, I think, one of the commander sets. The first commander set? The first one. Okay, so they're a little bit trickier to come by, possibly. We'll get into that later. Uh, he has protection from white and from black. Very cool. Whenever you cast a creature spell, put a plus one, plus one counter on Animar's Soul of the Elements. 
Creature spells you cast cost one generic mana less to play for each plus one plus one counter on Animar. I feel like that could lead into combo shenanigans. Yes, but before we talk about that, let's talk about the other abilities that he's got. Pro white and pro black. So if you're going to try and remove this guy with instant speed or spot removal of any kind, you're going to have a hard time. It's tricky, yeah. You're going to have to burn him out with something red and he gets pretty big pretty quick. So removing him is tough. And being pro white, pro black, it's gonna it's gonna give them protection from two of the best removal colors in the game, right? Yeah, well, the two best removal colors in the game. Yeah. We can say that I think. I think so. Number one and number two. Can't terror them. Can't doomblade them. Can't swords or path them. Can't. There's actually a card called exile. Can't exile him. <laughs> <laughs> There's all kinds of kind of terrible stuff. You just you can't do to him. Yeah. So that's that's reason number one that he's strong. Yes. He's got three colors in his casting cost, so he, of course, gives you access to all the teamer colors. That's great. Whenever you cast a creature spell, he gets bigger. Which, which is also great. Yeah, it, and it does let you actually swing in for what could be a commander damage kill. Yep. And that happens, I think, eh, a good percentage of the time. It actually sure. happens, and, and we'll talk about a couple of the combos in the deck that lead to that, um, especially when you're playing white-black decks because they can't even block them. Yeah, it's, you don't even need fun equipment or enchantments to get them their, their stuff out of the way. Oh, yeah. It's that, excellent. That protection, I, I can't stress enough how key that is. But the real reason that he is a combo commander is for every plus one, plus one that's on him, he makes your guys cost one generic less. He's like Rakdos, Lord of Riots, but without the uh, downside. Rakdos, Lord of Riots makes your stuff cost generic mana less equal to the amount of damage your opponents have taken Yep, that turn. Now... Uh, let's flip that because Rakdos is like Animar because Animar yes. does it way better. <laughs> yes, he does. So let's get into it, I guess. 54 creatures in the deck. 54. 55 if you include Animar. Yeah, yeah, I guess 55 if you include Animar because he himself is a creature but doesn't trigger his own ability when you cast him. Right. That is an exceptionally high number. Yes. When, when, we, when I say just another creature deck by Brando, yeah. this is a creature deck by Animar. Yeah, it's crazy. So it's filled with cheap stuff. And the key to, I guess, cycling through or creating an Animar chain, as as I call it, that we're going to talk about, is creatures that have zero colored requirements or one colored requirements. Now, there's a couple things in the deck that cost two or three of any one color that are, are in there for a specific reason. But by and large, you're playing mana dorks with one colored mana symbol or creatures in general with one colored mana symbol. How many dorks are we playing? I'm just looking at the, the spoiler here. We got Arbor Elf, we got Birds of Paradise, we got I'm gonna count Coiling Oracle. Yep. There's tons of them. Bloom Tender. Right now I've got included in the same category, ramp spells and mana rocks and mana dorks, fourteen. Dorks in the deck. Dorks in the deck. Fourteen. And this is actually fourteen dorks because ramp spells in Animar are actually creatures. Right. Creatures with search for a land, put it into place, stapled onto them, or creatures that tap to give you mana. And there's also cards in the deck that untap target creature when they enter the battlefield. Right. So what really ends up happening when we when we talk about Animar Chain is, let's say you've got Birds of Paradise in play. Right. And you tap it for a, gr- a blue. Sure. Then you play... Um, let's say Pestermite. Pestermite, when it enters the battlefield, untaps target permanent, taps or untaps target permanent. You right. untap the Birds of Paradise, then you tap it again for, let's say, Cloud of Fairies. Sure. Cloud of Fairies 
when it enters the battlefield, untaps two lands. Right. Then you can play something like a Bloom Tender or Bond Beetle. And the Bond Beetle either puts additional counters on Animar when it comes into the battlefield, or the Bloom Tender taps for mana. And with the Bloom Tender, if you can equip it with a Lightning Greaves to give it haste, you can tap that for three mana. And in doing that, all of a sudden you've got four counters on Animar already. You could tap the Bloom Tender, which taps for one mana of each color of permanent that you control. So you would get a green, a red, and a blue because Animar has green, red, and blue in its casting cost. And you could drop down a Maelstrom Wanderer. On turn what? That'd be probably three? Turn three or four if if you birds of par- if the first card birds of paradise on turn 1 right. to give you animar on turn 2 now the the whole deck isn't predicated on turn 2 animar but that is what you want and when you see that one on one build that i was that i referenced in the start of the game um it's playing pretty much every one drop extra mana creature in its colors this deck plays um enough one mana guys to give you a turn to Animar about 20% of the time. So one of every five games. That's pretty solid. Yeah. It's it's not like turn three Animar is anything to to, to like wiggle I your... Have, I have failed. Yeah, oh. yeah. no, you're not going to fail if you don't cast Animar till turn three, but turn two Animar is very, very excellent. It's very strong. Yeah. I've played it. It's horrible. So that's just a little, a little example of kind of a common Animar chain because there's a lot of redundancy in... Mana dorks, mana fetching that puts the 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 land into play untapped, right. and a lot of untap effects that let you continue to play. There's so, some. Oh, go ahead. So we got 55 creatures yep. that all combo together to allow you to play more creatures. You're playing yeah. dorks, 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 stuff, 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 stuff. Uh, where are we going with that? Usually, it ends up if if you're talking about just straight up playing creatures and then. Like in a perfect world, you're dropping a bunch of door. Like we just said, you got a bird, you got a bloom tender, you got a bond beetle, you got an animar, you got a cloud of fairies. All those guys suck. Yeah. So, what are we going to do with all these guys? Now we have a bunch of guys, they all suck. What are we doing? In that scenario, I would look at trying to find myself a. I call him Big Papa Pump. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny because that's what I call my wife's dad. Um, Crater Hoof Behemoth. Sure, Crater Hoof Behemoth is a 5-5 five, five for 8. 8. But with Animar in the scenario that we just described, he would cost 3. 3. Green, green, green. green, green. green. He has haste, and when he comes into play, each creature you control gets plus X plus X until end of turn, where X is the number of creatures you control. So again, in our scenario, you get like what? Plus 7, plus 7. Yeah, something like that. Like, I mean, if, you, if you've got Animar and Crater Hoof and 4 or 5 other cards... Let's say you've got Animar, Crater Hoof, and four other guys. Sure. Crater Hoof's going to drop and give your whole board plus six, plus six. Very good. Yeah. And usually you can get your first win like that, or or you can eliminate your first player like that. And when you look at the, the instants and sorceries portion of the deck, there is a little instant called Summoner's Pact that lets you actually search for Crater Hoof Behemoth for free. That's a good one. It uh, It's a zero-cost instant. Search your library for a green creature card, reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle your library. The caveat is, at the beginning of your next upkeep, you got to pay green, green, two. If you don't, you lose the game. But you're going to do it because you've played all the dorks. 
Yeah, or you're just going to win the game, so you don't have to worry about it. Exactly. Because I don't think that there's any card in green that's won more games in Commander than Crater Hoof Behemoth. It's kind of like Insurrection, right? Yeah, you play it and you win. You that's... play it and you win. That's why you play it, is to end the game. Kind of like Tooth and Nail. Maybe Tooth and Nail has more wins than Yeah, Crater Tooth Hoof? and Nail probably has more wins than, than Crater Just because it's been around longer, though. Yeah, but if you played... You don't play Tooth and Nail on this deck. We're probably going to talk about that later. I used to play Tooth and Nail, but you don't get a discount on it because it's not a creature. But you get Kiki Jiki Pester might win the game. You can already get Kiki Jiki Pester might win the game through Animar Chain or just straight up creature tutors. Let's get back to it here. Let's yes, yes, yes. Okay, so I talked about one of the instants. Um, there's three sorceries, two instants, four artifacts, two enchantments. 34 land only. We have so many dorks. We've got you so many need... dorks. And uh, here's the thing. Not that spicy. Twelve tutors. Ooh. That's that's really bad, man. Twelve tutors. Now, the tutors are a little bit... Um, a lot of them are specific in that they can only fetch a creature or can only fetch a, cre- a green creature or a creature that's small. Yeah. What else are you going to find in this deck? It has 55 creatures in it. <laughs> that's right. You obviously don't care about much else. No. We could search for artifacts with... Those 12 tutors. When we look at some of the creatures, we play a full complement of the mages. Trinket mage, treasure mage, trophy mage. Right. What are you going to find? What artifact are we looking for? There's four of them. Four of them. With trinket mage, you could find lotus petal or skull clamp. Both very good. Both very good. And lotus petal is kind of, it seems like a very loose include, but when you look at cards that are, let's call them net zero. I call them net zero because when you cast them, the only thing that they do is add a counter to Animar, right? right? So a net zero creature would be something that you play it for one and it gives a t- token or a counter to Animar and then it also gives you a mana when it enters the battlefield. Right. So y- you're not up or down any mana or land, but you are up a counter on Animar. Right. This doesn't do that. It doesn't do that, but you can search it with Trinket Mage. So Trinket Mage becomes a net zero card, right? So you play your Trinket Mage for a blue. Right. It normally would cost blue and two for a 1-1 human wizard. Sure. And it says when it enters the battlefield, search for an artifact with converted mana cost one or less. Right. Put it into your hand. Right. Because Lotus Petal costs zero, you put it into your hand and you can immediately play it and sacrifice it to get another mana of any color. Right. And then you have the opportunity to cast something else with that one mana, particularly if you have... Imperial Recruiter? No. No. Uh, Glimpse of Nature. Glimpse of Nature? Glimpse of Nature is a card that costs one. That one is green. Glimpse lets you draw a card whenever you cast a creature, and that's uh, a sorcery for one green mana. So, again, you play your Trinket Mage, play your Lotus Petal, draw a card, and then whatever card you drew, you can probably play it if it's a creature by this time with Animar having X amount of counters on him. So, In that situation, wouldn't it be better to play Glimpse of Nature first, then play the Trinket Mage? Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Okay. Yeah, that, if if you have Glimpse of Nature already been played in that turn. Oh, okay. Glimpse of Nature super, super key to the deck. I mean, you don't need it to win, but if you have it and you cast it and you can get four, five cards off of it, that's really good. You'll probably win. If you can cast it with something like a Gaia's Cradle out, you're probably going to win the game like yeah, almost every time. Now, that's that's Gaia's Cradle though. I mean, you're going to probably win the game any game that you have that. Yeah. Um in a creature deck. The Trophy Mage, brand new, same as Trinket Mage lets you search for a 
artifact, this time with converted mana cost three, like exactly three. Three. So what do we find with that? We find a Cloudstone Curio. So give that a read. Cloudstone Curio artifact for three. Whenever whenever a non-artifact permanent enters the battlefield under your control, you may return another permanent you control that shares a permanent type with it to its owner's hand. So now we're talking about chaining creatures bouncing them back and forth. Chaining creatures bouncing them back and forth. And when you have those net zero creatures, you can literally go infinite. Right. Or if you have a creature that bounces itself when you play it. Right. And let's say... Like we're talking like a Shrieking Drake or a... Yeah, like a Shrieking Drake and an Earthcraft, which is enchantment for green and one. Tap an untapped creature you control, untap target basic land. So you cast Shrieking Drake and it's bounce a creature you control back to your hand ability on the stack. Right. You tap it with Earthcraft to untap your island and you... Exactly. Rinse and repeat. If you've got, again, going back to Glimpse of Nature, you can draw your whole deck like that. If you have a net zero card, you can play another creature for infinite mana. Or if you have something like Bloom Tender and Shrieking Drake, you can make infinite mana by tapping it by giving it haste with um, Lightning Greaves. Sure. And one of the main combos that's going to actually win you the game is doing any of that with a Perforos, god of the forge in play. Perforos is the red god from Born of the Gods? Theros. Where the hell is he from? Who cares where from? It doesn't matter where he's from. He's he, from that block. Yeah, he costs four. He's red. Whenever a creature comes into play, each of your opponent takes two damage. Yeah. He does some other stuff too, but it's, it's totally irrelevant. Yeah, he like gives your team fire breathing. Yeah, if you like sack If you got, it, if yeah. you got infinite mana, it matters, but... Yeah, but you don't. Well, you do in this deck, but usually you do you in don't. this deck, but it, that's yeah. not the goal of the the deck. Yeah. Nobody looks at Perforos and think, "Oh, if I make infinite mana, I can do infinite fire." Nobody's ever thought that. <laughs> no, Nobody has I ever thought that ever. That that's a thing, yeah. No, but um, you bounce with Perforos and you kill the whole board. Excellent. Yeah, there's an easy. There actually is an easier way to do that. Like I just described a like a ninety five card combo, and you think, "Oh, that's not very good." Well, you got to remember, you're chaining creatures together very good, and the, the deck is very densely packed with combos. But if you don't want to play a big whole deck combo like that, like we talked about in the Archetype Episode 11, you could play uh, a two-card combo with Ancestral Statue and Animar. And Ancestral Statue is a ludicrous card. It's an artifact creature golem, 3-4. Four. For four, when it enters the battlefield, return a... Return a non-land permanent you control to its owner's hand. And because he just costs four, if Animar has four counters on him, you cast him for free, bounce him. Cast him for free, bounce himself. Cast him for free, bounce himself. You could just make Animar infinite, infinite with that. With Perforos, you just Perforos the whole table to death. That's madness. Yeah. Also, so, that's a he's a common from... What is that from? What is that symbol? Looks like one of the... Uh, it's Cons of Tarkir? Dragons of Tarkir? Tarkir? Some kind of Tarkir crap. Yeah, I'm not so good with the new set symbols because yeah. I kind of just, I don't care anymore. Yeah, and he looks like the dude, if you've ever seen Visionaries, you probably haven't seen Visionaries, it's an old 80s cartoon, <laughs> and this scene that's on this card happens in like the second episode of that show. They walk into this big cave and there's this dude sitting on a throne and he gets up and he attacks him and it's this whole big Like thing. the Stone Giants from The Hobbit even. Yeah. Yes. yes. That's, that's what this is. Sure. Going back to that uh, earlier example, turn to Animar, you could turn three ancestral statue Win. infinitely and you could attack with animar if somebody has no blockers or only white or black blockers you could eliminate a player as early as turn three and again 
that probably happens one of every four or five games because you're running enough, I'm running enough mana dorks to, to drop that turn to Animar. Right. Excellent. Very good. Yep. So if we keep going on, a couple key cards. We mentioned him before, Bond Beetle. He's a green for a 1-1. One, one. He's an insect, and when he enters the battlefield, put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature. He's actually a 0-1. Oh, he's a 0-1. Sorry. You could put that counter on Animar, and then Animar's ability triggers. So Bond Beetle actually gives him 2. That makes him 100% better than the other creatures in this deck yeah. at putting creatures or tokens on Animar. Yeah, pretty good for a 0-1. If you put a Rishkar... Pima Renegade into play. When he enters the battlefield, you can put two plus one plus one counters on Animar. Also his own counter. And then it lets Animar tap for a green as well. So he turns himself into a mana dork if you're not going to be attacking with him. Or you could distribute the two plus one plus one counters to different creatures to make them into mana dorks as well. So he's very much like Bond Beetle, except costs more. But after a Bond Beetle, Rishkar only costs green. So So they're basically the same. Yeah, another way to chain it together. Yes. Mm. Not convinced that this is a combo deck yet. I'm running a little ditty called Priest of Urabrask. Priest of Urabrask is a 2-1 for red and 2. And this is kind of a a non-typical Animar include. But when it enters the battlefield, you get red, red, red to your mana pool. So he's a dark ritual. He's a dark ritual at this point because he only costs red. Who else needs red, red, red? What can we cast with red, red, red? What can we cast with red, red, red? I'm looking at a goblin that costs red, red, red. He's a 2-2. He's got haste. Does anybody know who we're talking about? Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's the one. You know, yep. You can say it, Ryan. You can say it. Kiki-jiki mirror breaker. Now, this guy is a dick. Yes. He, he, He's he, a big swinging ball sack <laughs> included dick. He's a piece of crap. Yeah. And he combos with uh, a good number of things in the deck, including Pestermite. Pestermite. We mentioned before. Put the Pestermite into play, untap Kiki-Jiki, tap, put a Pestermite pestermite. into play, untap Kiki-Jiki. He also combos with a little guy called Bounding Crasis, which has Flash and is a 3-3 for blue-green 1. When it enters the battlefield, you may tap or untap target creature. Now, important because Bounding Crasis is green, and you can find Bounding Crasis with Woodland Bellower, which says when it enters the battlefield... Search your library for a non-legendary green creature with converted mana cost three or less. Put it onto the battlefield. So you could pop out your Kiki-Jiki and then pop out your Woodland Bellower, find a Bounding Crisis, and that's one of the tutors that lets you just immediately win the game. Right. So another little combo deck that's in there. Woodland Bellower in this deck is also a 6-5 for two. Very excellent. That is efficiency, (laughs) is what that is. Yeah. Yeah, so lends itself well to combo, lends itself well to just beating wholesale ass. Six fives for two last time I checked. Very Very good. good. Yep. So just going back a little bit, I was going to ask you about this. We kind of got sidetracked. We're talking about Glimpse of Nature and how important it is to the deck because drawing cards when you're chaining creatures gives you more creatures to add to the chain, etc. Yep. We talked about some of the tutors. Lots of the tutors only find creatures. They find artifacts. They don't find Glimpse of Nature. So, do you have any redundancy for Glimpse of Nature? Like, other Glimpse of Nature effects that allow you to draw a bunch of cards while you're trying to chain creatures together? Uh, I like Skull Clamp for that reason. Yeah, that's the thing you can find with your Trinket Mage. That's right. And Skull Clamp is a one-drop equipment. Equips for one. 
equipped creature gets plus one minus one. And when a crypt creature dies, draw two cards. What the hell were they thinking two. when they printed that? They Honestly. Weren't. It was a mistake. They thought, oh, yeah, giving it minus one, uh, it's a drawback. No, because it kills the one one, and then you draw two cards for one mana. It's insane. Super sick. Yep. Skull Clamp, kind of a non-bow when you look at chaining creatures together, then dropping a Crater Hoof Behemoth. Right. I have done that, though, where you clamp, clamp, maybe two or three cards, four cards over the course of a game if you play uh, Skull Clamp on turn one. It lets you draw enough cards that the few creatures that died are very much outweighed by the six or eight cards that you drew. I mean, if if you drew six or eight cards and five, six, seven of them are creatures, and then you search for your Crater Hoof, or just natural draw your Crater Hoof, I mean... You're in good shape. Yeah, Crater Hoof with six creatures is very, very good. It's enough, yeah. Yeah. So what else do you got that does that? You got a... Wait, there's a creature in here that does that. It's a dude. He costs six or two if you have a good Animar. He's a six-six. He has Trample... He's an elemental. He's a creature. What the hell is he called? Soul of the Harvest. Soul of the Harvest. Soul of the Harvest. Whenever a creature comes into play or whenever you... Whenever a creature enters the battlefield, you may draw a card. And you always do. Under your control, right? Oh, yeah, that's right. You have to play... You have to have another non-token creature enter the battlefield under your control and you draw a card. Yeah. So also, he's kind of like Glimpse of Nature on legs. Yeah. Also, he's a 6-6 six, six that doesn't have Death Touch. So that's good nice. Trample, though. I like that. Trample's good. Trample is good on a 6-6. Six, six. Makes sense. Trample's good. And that guy was in Commander 2014. I like him in all green decks. Not that green has any trouble drawing cards these days, but uh, he's good. Six sixes, they're good. He also has great art. Talking about art, I like that a lot. He's a very cool foil. Oh, yeah? And with the moon in the background. I actually, kinda... I don't have him in foil. I got I got an altered one, of course. My whole yeah. Animar deck is altered. Every card is altered. It looks pretty fat. It's very neat. Badass. Yep. So, moving on, I guess, play strategy. Play strategy is the big thing with combo. Because uh, unlike aggro, control, and Voltron that we're going to talk about next week, where you kind of have, based on the type of deck you've built, sort of a predefined strategy. Combo, everyone is different. And we were talking before we even recorded this episode, like how do we talk about combo in general? Like we can talk about this Animar deck and all the specific combos in it, but what it really comes down to when we're talking about archetypes would be lines of play and how to react to... Um, is it time to overextend? Is it time to go for it? Reading a board state, reading your yeah, opponents. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess something needs to be said, and we're going to talk about this next week when we talk about Voltron, because they sometimes play like combo decks as well, is not overextending, right? So we've talked about the chain. I guess the big thing is, is know when to chain, right? Because this deck is, it's key for this deck to overextend. And by overextend, we mean play out more stuff than you probably should, if you expect that your opponent has a uh, a wrath or a sweeper in hand, right? And the more players you play against, uh, three opponents, four opponents, six opponents, the higher the likelihood that you're going to be playing one of those big game control type decks that do have a lot of sweepers. Right. And uh, important to note that a sweeper, even a white or black one, can kill Animar. Right, yes. Damnation, Wrath of God, Winds of Wrath calcify all of them get it yeah and the blue ones get it too right um cyclonic rift evacuation what have you yes so scourge of the fleets oh yeah, yeah. that's right scourge of the fleets is uh bounce it if it has power less than the number of islands you control correct what if animar's giant giant all right scourge of the fleet's not going to get it actually we were playing a game a couple of weeks ago where uh fu smitty tried to scourge of the fleets me and all of my guys were so big he didn't get any of them oh 
It was so great. Thank you, Door of Destinies. Excellent. Get your Doors of Destiny. Oh, kid. get your Doors. Yeah. Yep. I guess, yeah, I, again, just back to the overextending thing. Don't try to combo, especially if you're doing the whole deck, chain everything together type combo until you know that you can take a player out or win the game. Or if you are chaining and you're not going to win the game, a la Kozilek, Butcher of Truth, or Ulamog, make sure you have a big thing at the end of your chain. If it's like a mini chain, like if you have um, Animar turn to Bond Beetle into Priest of Urabrask into Peregrine Drake that untaps five lands, four counters on Animar, and then you drop something like Kozilek or Ulamog, that's at least a big enough beater that you're going to have a board presence, particularly with Ulamog because he's indestructible, right? right? You can drop an Ulamog, destroy target thing, either give him haste at that point or wait until next turn. He's probably not going to be dead because he's indestructible. You've got something that you can fall back on as a as a default kind of yeah. pseudo win right? Um, with those big Eldrazi. And it does play two of the main three old ones. And then it does also play Artisan of Kozilek, which lets you get a creature from your graveyard back into play, which could lead to a brand new Animar chain altogether if that card has some kind of ETB trigger. Or a secondary uh, Critter Hoof Behemoth. Oh, yes, yeah. that would also be good. Yeah. Yes. So I guess the last thing before we move into some of the weaknesses of the deck is don't be scared to run out any early blockers or creatures, especially the ones that have two toughness or, or greater when you don't have an Animar, right? You're not going to always have Animar, and you're going you're gonna to have to improvise some amount of the time and just play creatures for their regular intended value. Right. Things like Mull Drifter that lets you draw two cards and enters a battlefield. If you don't cast it for its evoke cost, it costs five, right? Pestermite, Flash, blo- or Tap something that's going to attack you, for example. Things like that. These these creatures in the deck, um, in a lot of decks like this, I find you have a bunch of dudes that only make sense when you're playing them with the general, whereas in this case, a lot of these creatures are your basic utility guys. A lot of decks play these things. When you look at them, there's nothing, what the hell is this? Like, Why is this even here? Because they're all utility dudes. They're common. Yeah. They're good. They're good yeah. by themselves. You can just play creatures, and you're playing good stuff. You're just probably not going to win a lot of games with them, but you will establish a good early board presence, which is important. Yeah, I guess strengths of the deck. It's very fast. It's very fun. It's very uh, bomb-laden, and that does make it feel like a commander deck, even though it is a highly focused combo deck. And when you look at the average converted mana cost, one of the things that we use to determine the spiciness, it's got a 3.33 average CMC, which... Super average, let's yeah, be honest. Yeah, and it doesn't feel that high because Animar makes everything cost one or two mana. Yeah. doesn't Or zero mana. So it doesn't feel like it's got an average converted mana cost, but it it does, and you're still casting big creatures despite it being average. Yeah, well, we talk about these all these creatures and dudes as if they're free, but they're not free. You do actually have to play things to have to get to that point. You have to build up to that. Yeah, that's right. I guess the, the big Eldrazi... And any any creature that has X in its casting cost, because Animar reduces X co- or adds to X costs, I guess. Good lord. Good lord, yeah. Uh, it does make it feel like a very Timmy-style deck when we talk about big, swingy, bomby things that the Timmy players like, rather than just a Johnny combo deck. While we're on the big, swingy dudes that cost X, 
Hydras cost X. You're playing a couple of Hydras in here. Yep. Is there not one? It's like a 6-6, six, six, and when you attack with him, he attacks all of your opponents as well. Why aren't you playing him? Uh, probably because he has multiple colored pips in his casting cost. I guess he costs green, green, four. I yeah. forget the name of the card, or I'd, I'd read them to you, but I, I forget yeah. what it's called. Well, and here's the thing. Green, green. I'm playing Genesis Hydra, and he costs green, green, X. And he says that... Um, when he... He's basically a Genesis wave on a Hydra. S- sort of, except Ish. like... Okay, you only get so, one thing, I think. Yeah, if X is 10, you reveal the top 10 cards of your library. And when he enters the battlefield, you also pick something within that 10 cards of your library, and you put it into play. Yeah. As long as it has a converted mana cost of 10 or less. Right. So you hit 10, and you can hit anything in your deck, except for Ulamog. Maybe you just pick 11. <laughs> yeah, you just go for 11. Yeah, you, you just everything. go for 11, then you can yeah. get anything in the deck. But very excellent when you can see the top 5, 10, 11 cards of your library and find that missing combo piece. Disadvantages of the deck? Sweepers. We talked about that. Volcanic Fallout wrecks this deck. Destroys it. It doesn't necessarily get Animar, although it can. Yep. But it destroys all of your dorks. It wipes out all of your chain. Because you don't have a lot of pump stuff in here that isn't Crater Hoof Behemoth, and it's easy to keep up three yeah, mana or whatever. No, to... no pump in the deck. Yeah. No pump, which is fine. I mean, it's a creature deck, but it's a combo deck. Right. And it's, like I said, it's dense enough that usually it can come back. But things like Torpor Orb or Hushwing Griff, things that stop Enter the Battlefield triggers from happening. Right. Crush this deck. Something like an Ether Flash, where yep. creatures come into play and they take two. That kills virtually everything in the deck. Yep, Trinisphere makes... Everything costs three. Not uh, not costing three things. Cost three. Right. <laughs> Is that the right way to say that? Yes. Yeah. Although, wouldn't that be reduced? I think that that would still be reduced. I don't think Trinisphere gets... Oh, I don't think I Trinisphere, think I don't, I don't think Trinisphere gets Animar. It might slow you down from trying to build the counters on Animar, but once Animar's all countered up, I think you get him. We're going to bring up Trinisphere and give it a read. Okay. So, Trinisphere says, as long as Trinisphere is untapped, each spell that would cost less than three mana to cast costs three mana to cast yeah yeah so terrible gets there gets there that's too bad you could and this is just a little super secret tech if you're an animar player play things that trigger on cast like the big eldrazi do that they trigger on cast like ulamog destroys target permanent nulamog destroys two target permanents on cast if you're a little bit more into budget than Budget. any of the Ulamogs cost. You could play Mockery of Nature. <laughs> and what is Mockery of Nature? Mockery of Nature destroys target artifact when you cast it. And it's a creature? Yeah. That's it's awesome. a, It's an Eldrazi from Eldritch Moon. That is excellent. Very excellent. It costs 10, I think. Uh, but with Animar, it costs eh, nothing. Um, one or two. And it's, it's a big, big. Yeah, yeah. it's awesome. Blue-based control decks can also be challenging for Animar because A, he doesn't have pro those colors, and... Blue-based control decks, if you're playing a competent enough player to know what to counter, they're going to get the right thing. Typical weakness of a combo deck. Once people know it, you can look for that weak point. Yeah. No matter how strong your combo is, generally there's one point where your nuts are hanging out and somebody will cut them off. Yeah. Or hit them with a... Or hit them with a rock. Yeah, I was going to say a rope like on that uh, James Bond movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's gross, yeah. I guess in a in a dense enough densely packed enough combo deck, you could get around that. Counter this, oh I'll combo it this way instead, or I'll combo it that way instead, right? So there are ways to do it. You just have to be familiar enough with each card in the deck or each interaction 
in the deck. So might not be the best deck for a new combo player. You might want to stick to something that isn't quite as densely packed or doesn't have as many duds if you're not specifically trying to combo. Right, or if you're not familiar with the deck. If somebody comes over to your place, hey man, can I borrow a deck? You don't lend them something like this because it probably just, why am I playing all this garbage? Yeah, very difficult sometimes to see why something like just random card I'm going to pick here, like Foul Emissary or Quarian Sentinel is in the deck because you don't even know what those do when I say them, right? It's like... Yeah, you never heard of those cards. Exactly. But realistically... Queer and Sentinel is one of those net zero cards, and Foul Emissary lets you dig four cards deep to hit a creature that you might need for to combo with one of the other few creatures in play. Yeah, to win the game. Yep. Yeah. So I guess the last big downside of this deck, uh, other than it being difficult to play and might not be the best deck to introduce somebody to Commander with, right? it might be difficult for you to introduce yourself with because <laughs> the budget is fairly astronomical. Yes, it is an expensive deck. Do we have the the cost here? I do. The cost at the time of the show notes that I made was $1,727.52. That is a lot. Yeah, so let's talk about that. The version I'm running does have a full complement of duels, fetches, shock lands, and two filter lands from Lorwyn Block. All of which are very expensive. It does play a Gaia's Cradle. And if you're going to play the one-on-one or French ban list, Gaia's Cradle is banned. So you couldn't play that. And it does have a few other non-basics or utility lands that are expensive due to modern. I'm thinking of Manamo School at Water's Edge is like 19 bucks, for example. And a couple of the other uh, utility lands are, you know, 4 bucks, 5 bucks. So... The, the mana base does... As per usual, your land base is your first major obstacle to playing a deck. Yep. So when we talk about... Get your about, land cards. Yeah, get your land cards, kids. Uh, trade for them, win them, play them. They will serve you... They will pay dividends, I guess. Right? Yes. You'll never not want to have land cards because yep. every deck that you play, except for one, will have land in it. And that one is terrible. There's a few other cards, too, that, uh, that I want to talk about. The first one, and... The reason the deck is named Imperial Animar is Imperial Recruiter. So Imperial Recruiter is a 1-1 human advisor for red and 2. And it lets you search your library for a creature with power 2 or less, put it into your hand. So you think, oh, big deal. Well, it is a big deal when, remember, Animar makes things cost less mana, and you could search for Phyrexian Metamorph. Phyrexian Metamorph comes into play and co- comes into play as a copy of target creature or or artifact or artifact. Yeah, in, in this, this case, in this case, creature. So you're going to cast the Phyrexian Metamorph for zero because Animar's got three counters, and you can pay two life for its uh, Phyrexian mana cost. For the blue, yeah. You copy the Imperial Recruiter, which lets you search again. This time, you search for Shrieking Drake. Shrieking Drake, when it enters the battlefield for a blue, lets you bounce target creature. Well, you just bounce the Metamorph. Then you play the Metamorph again for two life, copying Shrieking Drake. Bounce it, play it again for two life, play it again for two life, play it again for two life. You see what's happening, and every time you're doing this, Animar is getting bigger. When you have 40 life, you can make Animar a big, big. Yes. So, 
to finish off that combo, you play the Metamorph the last time. Let's say you've done it 16, 17 times. Animar's big, big. Yep. You copy the Imperial Recruiter again, searching, f or sorry, you copy the Imperial Recruiter again, searching this time for Fierce Empath, which is a elf that lets you search your library again for a creature with six converted mana cost or higher. Very big. You search for Ulamog, play Ulamog for free, destroy their blocker, swing in, for anim swing in with Animar for the win. Boom. Now what if they have uh, more than one blocker? Um, They probably don't because this is turn three or four. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> That's why it's so dirty. <laughs> now, the only thing about Imperial Recruiter is it's like $311. Why is it $311 based on its effect? It's a P3K card that isn't a piece of crap. That's the only reason. There's nobody open to this set. Nobody gives yep. a crap about P3K. Correct. It's, yeah, it's expensive not because it's awesome, not because it's played everywhere, but because it's playable and it was in a set that everybody hated. You know what? It was a, it was in a set that I think was only distributed in Asia, in, in China, in like the, the southeastern yeah. Pacific. It's the set where Everything the Asian was... cards cost less than the English cards. Yes. Yes, which is usually not the case. Usually Japanese cards cost more. In this part of the world. Yes. Yeah. So Weird. Imperial Recruiter, if you don't want to run Imperial Recruiter, if we're, if we're talking about budget options now, you could run something like Conduit of Ruin and an additional ramp spell. If I took out Imperial Recruiter, I'd probably take out Priest of Urobrask just because Urobrask gives you... Um, red, red, red. Red, red, red. And sometimes you would want to search... Maybe turn three, you'd want to search with Imperial Recruiter for Priest of Urbrask to play Kiki-Jiki. Right. Kiki-Jiki can tap to copy Imperial Recruiter. Then you can search for something else to combo with Kiki-Jiki. Like that, um, like you could search for Pestermite or you could search for a Bounding Crisis and then just win with Kiki-Jiki that way. Right. Um, you could do that as well. And I would take both of those cards out if I wanted to add Conduit of Ruin, which is a seven drop that lets you search for another seven drop and put it on top of your library. So you just search for a different Eldrazi card. It's slower, but Conduit of Ruin is like 39 cents. Significantly less expensive. It's like a thousand percent less yep. than an Imperial Recruiter. Yep. It doesn't work as good, but it's a thousand percent less It's still money. badass. It still lets you search for something that lets you fairly immediately win the game. Which is pretty good. Right. And the other couple things I've got, I mean, Gaia's Cradle, Fetches, Filters, Duels. You could play the, the Tri-Lands and some of the Fast Lands and, and Pain Lands and stuff. And those let you have a fairly good mana base. They're less efficient, but they're also less money. Yeah, I tried to stay away from comes into play tap lands at all costs. I think I run one in the deck, and that's Halimar Depths. And it's getting cut as soon as I have time to paint something to replace it. <laughs> I just haven't yet. Halimar Depths gives Animar flying. No. No? That's Soaring Sea Cliffs. Right, what the hell am I thinking of? Halimar Depths is the one when it enters a battlefield, you look at the top three cards of your library and put them back in any order. Right. So just another way to draw into your next creature. But if that's the only blue source you have, you have to run it out on turn one if you want to play anything on turn two. And lots of times you want to play your green source on turn one so you get your mana dork. Right. But then if you play your blue source, Halimar Depths turn two, then you don't get your turn two animal. You might as well have not have played the turn one mana dork. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're putting yourself back a turn. Exactly. So uh, note to self, stay away from comes into play tap lands with Animar if you can. 
And those are the things you want to you want to know when you're playing complicated things like combos. Yeah. So I have uh, last week or the week before we talked about the Odyssey filters, the ones that you pay colorless into, and then they give you one of either mana color that they could give you. Yeah, they'll give you pay one into it. You get a red and a green. Yeah, and those are somewhere between one and three dollars compared to the Lorwyn Shadowmoor filters that are between twenty to forty dollars. That blows my mind still. Yeah. Fast lands, if you have less than three lands on the battlefield, you could play them untapped, and they give you two colors of mana. In EDH, I like to play the... I don't know what they're called, but the ones where they come into play untapped as long as you control a basic land type that shares colors with them. I like those. Those Uh, are, I think, better than fast lands. Buddy lands? I think so. Something like that. Yeah. I like those two. I think I play two of those in here yeah. or three of them. Yeah, they're cheap. They're great. They're they're very good yeah. in, in EDH. They're very good budget options. Yeah. Rootbound Craig is one of them. If you wanted to look one of them up, it enters the battlefield tapped unless you control a mountain or a forest. And then it itself taps for a red or a green. Yeah. And then they have a whole cycle of those. Yeah. It's not even two bucks. Yeah. It's super cheap. And they've printed them in Commander products. Like Rootbound Craig, its most recent printing is in Commander 16. Sixteen, yes, we're not at seventeen yet. <laughs> yes, that's very good. It's yep. also uh, you can get a foil rootbound crag in the premium slivers deck. Ooh, yeah, if you if you're a foil hound. Oh, I think I own one of those. I have that deck. There you go. It's the only premium deck series that I've actually bought. I had six of the fire and lightning one. You know how many foil <laughs> chain lightnings? I wish I had? that I had the um, what was it? The graveborn one. Graveborn Grave- had so many good things. Oh yeah, I wish I had that one. Yeah. Yep. What else are we looking at? Bloom tender. Brando moused over bloom tender and was like. <laughs> You didn't see it on the uh, on the cast, but I yeah. saw it because it's twenty eight dollars. I, I, I said, pardon. I can't believe that. I that's one of those cards. It's like no, that's that's wrong, but it's not wrong. I traded it's, three of them into Ben when he worked at Amazing, and I got yeah like seventy bucks for him. I have three foils and one non foil, just because I played during Eventide. Most excellent. Yep. So Bloom Tender, you could cut Bloom Tender for something like Somberwald Sage, which costs one mana more it's like a two two or a one two whatever it is for green and two and lets you tap for three to cast only creatures that's not bad bloom tender costs two and lets you tap for three if you have like animar out it gives you red green blue which is excellent gives you one of each color that you might need i think there's another elf i can't think of the name off the top of my head right now that costs green one and it taps for three mana of any color that you can use to cast Oh, creatures. yeah, there's a couple. I forget I'm thinking which of uh, Lanamore Elder does that, lets you tap for green-green, yeah. and it costs, I think, three. Sure. So anything that taps for more mana than it costs in Animar is excellent because it actually turns into a net one card, net one mana, instead of a net zero mana. Yes. So you play it and you're actually up mana, like Peregrine Drake or um, Cloud of Fairies. Right, because they untap mana. They untap mana. Peregrine Drake untaps five lands, and if you only cast... You only tapped one to play it. Yeah, so sick. A couple other budget options. I mean, you could, instead of Kozilek Butcher of Truth, if you're into drawing cards, you could cast Sandstone Oracle. And you, if if you have Animar change your whole hand out and have zero, but your opponent has five, you play Sandstone Oracle for free because it's an artifact, and then you draw cards up to the amount that one of your opponents has. Or if you're super hurt and you could play Prime Speaker Zagana with yep. a giant Animar. I mean, she cost four still, but you can draw, what, like yep. 17 yeah. cards? Lo- That's pretty good. Yeah, lots of Animar lists play Prime Speaker Zagana when they have lots of green or blue mana. And I like, we talked about 
Um, what was the guy? Mockery of Nature. I also like Decimator of Provinces. Oh, I just like the name of that card. Yeah, so excellent. It's another one of those big Eldrazi's from Eldritch Moon instead of Craterhoof Behemoth. This guy I know costs 10. And when he is cast, all your creatures get plus 2, plus 2. Plus Not- 2, plus 2. Plus 2 and plus 2 and Trample. And instead of being the, you know, whatever Crater Hoof is now, 12 or 14 bucks, he costs 79 cents. So compared to running Imperial Recruiter or not, running Crater Hoof or Decimator doesn't give you as big of a discount, but I guarantee you Decimator of Provinces is easier to find and to obtain than a Crater Hoof Behemoth. Yes. Yep. Instead of the $29 Earthcraft, you could be a dirty, dirty bastard and play Deadeye Navigator. Yes. He's a killer combo for infinite mana of all types in this deck because um, you've got so many things that give you mana or untap mana. Right. So he's excellent. And he's got, what is it called? Soul Bond? Yes. You bond him with something, then he's got an activated ability to pay two and tap whatever he's bonded with and flicker it. Flicker, 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 mana, 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 mana. Very good. So we're running low on time, but we are going to get to Ryan's favorite part of the show. This is Ryan's favorite deck, so we're going to do Ryan's very favorite part of the show. What's your favorite part of the show, Ryan? Milk list! This is my second shot at reading the milk list. This is very exciting. Yep. This is very exciting. Here we go. Two weeks in a row. In the zero drop slot, we have Mana Crypt. Nope. How about in the one drop slot, we have... Solring? No, no, uh-huh. no need for colorless in this deck. If you're playing, if you're playing combo Animar or Imperial Animar, any version of Animar that isn't like the morph list, don't play those cards because you don't need colorless. You don't need it. Excellent. How about in the two drop slot? We got Cyclonic Rift. Nope, not playing that either. Number one blue card in all of Commander. Not playing that sucker. Figure that. How about in number three? We got Eternal Witness. Yeah. There we yeah, go. Yeah, I am. Number four, we got Solemn Simulacrum. I'm also playing that. Number five, we have Acidic Slime. I used to, but I'm not now. Uh, Deadeye Navigator at six. We talked about him. Used to, but not now. At seven, we have Avenger of Zendikar. Nope. He, nah, not a chance. At eight, we have our buddy Terastodon. No, I'm not playing Big Daddy. Oh, you should be Ta- playing Big Daddy Butt Sex. That'd be awesome. If that's what we're calling him, I'm not playing him. Oh, okay. Well, whatever. Whatever. How about at nine, we have Blasphemous Act. Not playing that either. At ten, we have Kozilek. The old one. Butcher of Truth. Yes, I'm playing that one. At 11, we have Oldamog. Definitely. We have It That Betrays at 12. Used to, but not anymore. Emrakul the Promised End? Nope. Emrakul the Aeon's Torn? Nope. Draco? No. Forest? Yeah, I got two forests. Two of them. There we go. Milk List. I'm only playing four. That's not bad. That's pretty good. That's pretty okay. Not uh, the auto-includes of normal teamer lists i guess right i guess animar isn't a normal teamer mm. good stuff list he's Definitely. just well that's how combos technically usually go is you're going to end up with a bunch of just kind of combo-y things as opposed to good stuff deck specific things as opposed to color specific yeah. things it's like yep. playing zada versus playing krenko yeah this is uh, you have a bunch of stuff you have to play with them yeah this is not zada affected Yes. Yeah, I just, I don't know what that means. I like that, yeah. Yep. Do we want to do the spicy calculator? Do we want to just go over that, like, real fast? Absolutely. So, he is the most popular teamer commander. And again, we picked him not only because I like him, but because he is a very good example of whole deck combo and yep. mini combos stuffed in. So, yes. at the time of this list, 1,221 Animar lists on EDHREC.com. That he's, is lots. Yeah, he's the most uh, popular teamer commander. Average converted mana cost? 3.33 critical turn 
turn three because that is the Boom. that's the turn that you either cast your animar and are going to be good to go on turn four or that's the turn that realistically you can start to go infinite if right. you did a turn two animar so good so optimal game size i'm gonna say two if you are building like the 1v1 animar of course the optimal game size is two but this deck can go three or four i put two because i don't want to add artificially any spice to this deck because right. it's it's a bitch and it sucks to play against yes and it it's does. hard to play yes and it very much reminds me with that discounted mana cost that animar provides it very much does remind me of a combo legacy deck or even a storm deck mm. that's it's kind of stormy like that but uniqueness rating the difference between my list and the edh rec average deck list 24 cards very good very good 12 tutors though does hurt the spiciness because it does add redundancy to the deck and it does take away the unique game experience from game to game which so, is something you want to do in combo anyway yeah and that's, that's why lots works. of people hate combo yep. hate playing it and hate playing against it because it's the same thing every time because yeah it's built to do that one thing really well basically punch all those numbers into the spicy calculator beep, boop, 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 boop. 18.41 not very good <sighs> not very good yeah, not very spicy it. deck very good yeah. spicy eh, not, not so, so much. much yeah yeah most of that is just redundancy yeah, that's what sucks all the all of the spiciness out of it. Looking at it, it's very different than your average Animar morph list, which I think most people probably play. Or, or Animar good stuff. Like if you're yeah. if you're a Timmy through and through, and you need a place to play your World Spine Worms, your fifteen casting your fifteen casting cost creatures, you put them in Animar because he's yep. going to provide that discount for you. Yep, very good. Yeah, excellent. Anything else you want to say? No, I got it. You're the you're the combo here, man. I'm. Just you're the beatdown on this one. However, before we go, we probably should send some shoutouts and love to all of our uh, our. Do we call them spon- they sponsors? They're not sponsors. Uh, They're our hosts. They're hosts our generous toasts and our affiliates slash sister podcasts slash opponents slash. We will find you one day. Yes, and we, will. we will. Hurt you. Yeah. Although on one of their episodes, the snow covered land guys did offer us up a sacrifice, which we will take. We are expecting that now. You better be here by Christmas. Yep. We'll Shoot send you back parts the of them in the. <laughs> Yeah, just his ear. Yeah, just his ear and his fingers. Yep. No, his collection will stay with us. I'm sure it's good. Uh, yeah, probably. He's a big time red player. We're talking about Eric Bonvi from Snow Covered Lands. Yep. Yep. I listened to him a long time on also Rivals Duel podcast, another podcast that you can actually find on the Commander Society Network Enterprise. What are we calling it? Network is good. I like network. I like network. Yeah. yeah. That's another good show. I like those guys. And they do guest appearances on Snow Covered Lands podcast, which is. Also good. Yeah, it's a good one. They, like it too. they had a new episode out. It was... Was it Masks? No, it wasn't then, Masks. Then who cares what it was? Then well, who cares what it was? Go over to Commander Society. Listen to Snow Covered Lands Podcast. Listen to Rivers Duel Podcast. Find us on Twitter at... CCO Podcast. And... Tapped Out have... is also CCO Podcast. If you want to send us something that costs that takes more than 140 characters, you can check us out at commandercookout at gmail.com. You can also find us using those coordinates on google play when we get there and itunes which we are on right now which is super great yep yeah brandon uh, totally just hijacked that whole section from me but i'm kind of glad he did because he's better at it than i am boom i am pretty good good you know what else is good our show you know what else <laughs> is good we're gonna go drink some beers after this show and we're gonna come back next week we're gonna talk about uriel the mist stalker oh yeah I who's our voltron deck 
Yeah, and Ryan's going to go to a wedding. He's going to get sloshed. I'm going to a bachelor party, so I'm going to probably get more sloshed. We'll have a contest. <laughs> Whoever is up walking straight first loses because they had less of a good time. But until then, guys, we're going to see you back here next week. We'll talk about Euro the Mist Stalker, basically round out our arc of the archetype. But before that, let's hit our theme song. Woo!